Hello there, and welcome to episode nine of Live from Vader's Castle. As always, I'm your host, Dan McCray, and I'm joined by my co-host, John Lee. Hello, John. Hello there. How are you, Dan? Um, I'm good. A bit tired today, but I'm, I'm keeping well. How are yourself? Yeah, not too bad. It's been a busy couple of days, but we're here. We're here. Yeah, it has. Yeah. If, uh, if any of you are proper timekeepers, you'll realise that yeah, this episode's coming out a day later than normal. We, we tried our best. We were even considering recording at like midnight last night just so we could get out on time. But we were both knackered and we wouldn't have done as good an episode. So you're getting it a day late on Sunday. But we have been busy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as much as I was up for recording it, um, it was a Friday <laughs> night, I was ready for bed, I think. I was already thinking about how we could like get it done in 20 minutes. And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so we owe the people more than that. We do. Our, our loyal listeners deserve better. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so this week... Um, We've got another episode of Bad Batch as per usual. Um, so we're going to be discussing that. Um, and then we will have a little bit more discussion about the High Republic, about Light of the Jedi, for, that was our book club for last month. And then we will announce our next book that we'll be talking about in another month's time. So um, you've got all of that to look forward to this week. Yeah, sounds good. I mean... I'm kind of, I think I've got we got more to say on this episode of Bad Batch than last week's, so that's yeah. a that's a good thing. And obviously, I'm looking forward to deep dive more into the book because, um, as we said last week, really enjoy we enjoyed it. So I'm looking forward to talking about that more. Yeah, we had we had a lot to talk about, and we just didn't quite have the time to discuss it. So uh, we'll pick up those threads today. Um, but yeah, as you said, the first thing we have to talk about is the Bad Batch. We got a new episodes. Uh, yesterday uh, and it was called decommissioned um episode six of the bad batch first of all overall thoughts john what are you thinking i really like this episode actually i think uh, i been. i think it could be one of my favorites actually i like i like the pacing of it i like the plot i like you know the the extra side characters we had in it there were some funny moments um and obviously i think when we get to it but i think it's definitely setting up something interesting in the next couple of episodes. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. Actually, it's one of my favourite ones so far. Yeah, I agree. Actually, the, the, I've watched it twice now. First time I watched it, I thought, okay, that was pretty neat. I like that. It was nice to see these characters. Interesting. And then the second time I watched it, I found myself enjoying it even more. I think there's actually some some really funny moments in it. Some quite dark and scary moments. Um, there were some lessons learned. Some characters being developed so all in all um i thought it was a really good episode i think if i had to put it on the uh on the episode scale i'd probably have the first three episodes so probably like one three two then six then five then four i think that's probably where i'm going so far yeah that, that sounds about right to be honest yeah it was a, it was a good episode I, th- I think i was worried obviously from last week's uh, episode in conversation there, I was worried it was going to be another slow burn and like, not just a slow burn, but, um, or maybe the week before, I mean, this, uh, like where it doesn't actually add any like background details, which we've been talking about in like the first three episodes, you know, while maybe the, there wasn't action heavy in those, uh, later episodes, like I think maybe three, I think wasn't quite so action heavy, but we actually got quite a lot to talk about in the background and like background information and like things added, so I think this episode had a good amount of action as well, but then also it's got some uh, some background things that we can discuss and like analyse, which I think in some episodes may have lacked a bit, which is probably why they're lower down on my list as well. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, we'll go into full full details now. Um, in this episode, we start off on Old Mantel, which I thought was nice. We didn't start off on a ship going to a planet. We they have a sort of HQ, I guess now. Mm-hmm. Um, in Sid's little a tavern, I guess it's a tavern, and uh, Echo is practicing with her bow, um, and Echo is giving her some lessons. I really like this little bit at the beginning. It was nice to see Echo getting some like one-on-one time with Omega and like him teaching her a lesson, but also in like classic Echo fashion, he was being like very military about the whole thing. You know, he was saying, oh, you only hit it three times out of 12. That's just luck. You need more practice. Um, 
but he was, you know, still doing it in quite a caring way. But I thought, I thought that was a nice little scene. And then obviously, you know, Sid just coming in and taking the bow and just <laughs> <laughs> flexing on on Omega's weak noodle arms. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I even I managed to spot that. That was the issue with the bow. She was pulling it back, but like before she had, had a chance to aim. Like her arm was giving way and she was just letting go. So that thing was going anywhere. Um, so I'm surprised Echo didn't point out. And it was actually Sid that came over and was like, you're too weak. I'm surprised Echo hadn't noticed it or like pointed out. Um, <laughs> well, Echo's probably too nice just to go, you're you're too weak, yeah. <laughs> child. <laughs> I suppose, you know, the more she practices, the stronger she'll get. I'm sure she, he was just going down that line with it without being rude. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a, a nice little introduction. Um it's good to see that Omega's training, um, you know, and Echo, you know, said to her something like, you know, soldiers need practice or something like that. So Echo's treating her as if she's a fellow soldier now, um, which is, I guess, is a big theme of the last sort of all the episodes really from the beginning is Omega going from this sort of stowaway into a member of the family into now she's being treated as like the, you know, fifth member of the Bad Batch now Crosshair's no longer there um, so it's it's interesting that they're now treating her as a fellow soldier particularly Echo yeah I agree that was cool I also thought that the mission they went on obviously like Sid we were, I think from last week's episode we were right that like Sid's going to be the one giving them missions um, to like earn money etc etc and uh, I like the, the mission that she gave them was obviously to go and retrieve a tactical droid head because um, they're valuable as uses against the Empire, I suppose. You know, any bit of tactical information you can get against, um, I suppose because the Empire still uses clones is what she was saying, wasn't it? That Now the tactical droids are actually very useful for yeah. people who want to yeah. fight against the Empire. Um, I thought that was a cool, um, a cool mission, which then went on to show us what is happening with the droids now that the Clone Wars is over. Yeah. Which is that they're all getting decommissioned melted yeah. down and decommissioned yeah yeah i thought that was really interesting um when she said corellia i thought oh cool corellia there was a little bit of me and i know this is stupid a little bit of me was like oh, maybe we might see han solo because obviously han, <laughs> han was kind of about on corellia around about this time in his life i think this is takes place about five years before solo so he would have been cutting about but he wasn't there which is fine it probably would have felt forced um but yeah, the fact that we got to see what is happening to the droids now and they're just being decommissioned, as the episode title's called. They're just being melted down for scrap. Um, which, you know, a little bit sad, really. <laughs> Those clankers, they've, they've served their time. And now they've been melted <laughs> down into into nothing. Um, but yeah, that's where the mission took them. And I did think it was quite interesting that there was that little discussion with Hunter Um when he was like, we haven't really decided if we're working for you yet. And Sid kind of, it's not quite blackmailing them, but it's kind of like, you know, she was just like, well, I'm the only protection you've got or something. You know, people, you know, when you're highly sought after by the Empire, you know, you're better safe doing jobs for me. And it's clear that Hunter's got like a little bit of a burden on him and he's just like, I'm not sure this is this kind of work we should be doing. Um. Mm-hmm. They went on the job anyway. Yeah, I mean, they're kind of stuck between like a rock and a hard place. Like, you know, I suppose they don't necessarily want to become like mercenaries for like Sid because, you know, as much as she was like a Jedi informant, she seems like a bit of a shady, shady person. I think uh, Hunter's definitely clocked onto that. So why he doesn't want to be working for her, I suppose it is better than just roaming the galaxy, like hoping on potluck not to run into the Empire or anything like that. Yeah, particularly because the Empire is, you know, taking control of the whole galaxy now. So there's few safe places that they can go. Mm. And I guess these sort of like seedy backwater towns on like known criminal planets, probably the safest place for them to go. (laughs) So I guess Mm. Ord Mantel, where they are at the moment, is probably a pretty decent place for them to hide out. Um, So it does make sense. But obviously by the end of the episode, you know, some of those thoughts are starting to change. So obviously we'll get around to discussing that. Um, but yeah, the primary mission this week, and I actually thought it was, um, it was, you know, obviously a lot of people talk about the mission of the week and that sort of thing on, on like these shows where it's just like character says, go do something, blah, blah, blah. I thought this one was quite interesting in the sense that the Bad Batch weren't, they weren't looking for anything. They weren't looking to get information or blah, 
or anything like that. They were just like, Sid was like, yeah, I've got a job for you. And they were like, mm, fine, okay, we'll go. It's quite hesitantly at first. But yeah, the mission is retrieving the super tactical droid's head so Sid can go sell it to some dodgy person on the black market. Um, so they head to Corellia to the decommissioning factories. Um, and there's a you know, load of police droids there. So they're all sneaking about text doing his thing, figuring out their movement paths. Um, so you can sneak in records and like heights, which, which we learned in this episode. Um, and then the big surprise, they bumped into Trace and Rafa, uh, the, the Martez twins from that. What's the right words? Uh, con- controversial <laughs> four episode no, arc right. in the uh, in the final season of Clone Wars. Some people really hate it. Some people don't mind it so much. Some people really like it. I'm in the camp of I didn't mind it. I, th- I liked some parts, didn't like some other parts. John, I think you're more in the camp of you quite liked it. Um, yeah, I, I actually I like liked it. Trace and Rafa's characters. I didn't have a problem with them as characters at all. So as soon as I saw them, well, I didn't even see them. I recognised. And I can't remember the actress. She's the one who plays Rafa. Mm-hmm. She's in Orange is the New Black. And she's in that and a few other things. But I recognised her voice instantly. And I was like, oh, interesting. This is a nice little tie-in. Mm-hmm. Um, so they bump into them. What did you think of seeing the Martez twins again? Um, I thought it was cool. As I said, you know, so I, I quite like that arc of season seven in the Clem Wars. Um, where, you know, obviously they make friends with Ahsoka and... They go on their little adventure for a three, uh, two or three episodes. Uh, I like I like them as characters. I think they were necessary in that arc, I suppose, to like give us like a broader yeah. view yeah. of how the galaxy view the Jedi and just how the galaxy live outside of you know like the Jedi Order or like you know the episodes with like it's just Jedi or just clones. I think it was refreshing and and nice. Um, so I'm interested to see where they are and how they've developed since that since those uh those episodes because obviously when we first met them they were very much like just doing like i suppose the same as the bad batch now like doing like shady jobs for um they were out for themselves weren't they weren't yeah everything was just about survival for the two of them yeah and by them yeah but by this time that we see them now you know, it's like they're, they're serving someone else, like they're serving a higher purpose. I mean, I guess we'll get to talking about what we think that is, but it's clear that those two characters have changed quite a bit because of their time with Ahsoka, which I think was nice to see. But I also thought it was interesting to see that the way that they've changed because of their time with Ahsoka sort of rubbed off a little bit on the Bad Batch as well. Um, so I did think they were a really good addition and a fun addition as well. I, I, I really love just bumping into random side characters. I think some people just call them really forced cameos, but I actually don't think they are. Like with, you know, Cut in episode two, and then we had, obviously, Fennec, Shand, Bib Fortuna, and then Trace and Rafa. I actually felt that they made sense. Like they're they're not cameos, like they're just characters that fit within the episode. So I thought it was pretty fun to see them. Yeah, I liked it. And then, you know, as you said, they definitely... Um, have become more. How do I put it? Like selfless. I think is probably the, the word I want. You know that, and the you know they go on to convince Hunter to you know give them the uh, information from the droid because they put it across that like they are using it to try and help people fight against the Empire. Well, obviously, like Hunter's just after it for a paycheck. You know, and like which who's morally right there is obviously not Hunter. Um, so that's nice to see that they yeah, that Ahsoka has clearly rubbed off on them and then that has clearly rubbed off on the Bad Batch as well. Yeah, and I thought their their dynamic, like I this is what I I agreed with you earlier when you said this is a really well paced episode. I actually really agree. I think this was a really well paced episode because at the start of the you know, the heist, the mission or whatever, you know, obviously it's Bad Batch on their own, everything's fine. And then they bump into these two well, they think they're workers at first because they're disguised who are, you know, getting involved, steal the thing. And then because of everything going wrong with the, you know, Omega shooting the arrow at the wall because of Rafa and such and such, all the droids come in and then they have to team up and work together um, to escape. But then it's sort of initially it's a team up 
because they have to to survive. But then I think it's Trace who then, you know, chooses instead of escaping to come back and save Omega. And then obviously Hunter thanks them all for helping. So there's that bit of a dynamic where it starts from their antagonists to, you know, regretfully helping each other to willingly helping each other throughout the episode. And I think that that little um that little arc within the episode works really well. Yeah, I thought that I think they they have some good dialogue with each other as well, actually, between like the sisters and the clones. Um the Bad Batch. I think they had some some nice dialogue together. Yeah, that was, that my favourite cool line one. of the entire show, I'm, I'm assuming it's the one that you're talking about as well. Yeah, I'm going to assume so. <laughs> when, is, uh, <laughs> yeah. is when, um, I can't remember what the sister's name is, but like they basically just, the one says we need a distraction and then the other one turns around and is like, I think we need a distraction as if it's going to be her idea. So in the original sister's like, oh, is there an echo in here? And Echo just appears and is like, hello. He's like, yep, that's me. I'm Echo. <laughs> yeah, I She's thought like, that but... You can't be serious. <laughs> yeah, I thought that bit was so funny because I was waiting for an Echo joke. <laughs> I've been waiting for that for so long. And the fact that they managed to snuck it, sneak it in there in such a funny way. I actually really, really like that joke. Um, because <laughs> there's one of the things I was always thinking of all the clones, like funny and sort of weird names that surely there were going to be situations where it was going to cause issues. <laughs> um, I just thought Echo, that was perfectly uh, lined up, that joke. It really did make me laugh. <laughs> yeah, that was, and it that just was fits well worked e- in there. just fits Echo's character so well as well, because obviously he's known for doing exactly what Trace and Rafa just did. <laughs> like the other one, just repeating an order. Um, and the fact that he just comes in, he's like, I can help. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a great line. And yeah, definitely fit his character. Because he was one of the, um, bit of a sidetrack here, but he was one of the the original group that, he got his name last, didn't he? Or something, because yeah, he kept he was, repeating orders and it, it was funny, they were like, you know what, we're just going to call you Echo. Yeah, he was an OG member of the Domino Squad. Yeah. Um, yeah, Echo's been for it all, but yeah, it was really nice to see. And I'm I'm starting to get more happy with the way that they're using Echo now in the episodes. I think one of my earlier sort of minor complaints was just that I felt that Echo was being underused. Um, but now Echo's getting a lot of screen time, a lot of dialogue, and it's nice to see. We love Echo. Yeah, it's definitely getting more. I suppose, I suppose as he spends longer with the Bad Batch, although yeah, I don't actually know how much time he spent with them since the end of the second first arc in season seven like whenever he first met them yeah. and left uh, i don't actually know how long it's between like then and these first episode of bad batch I don't, I don't think it's very long yeah i don't know i don't i don't think it was that long i think the battle and axis was one of the sort of final battles before the chancellor was kidnapped but mm. i think that it's not immediate because um I believe, and I might be wrong here, that Anaxis isn't in the Outer Rim. I think it's a mid-rim planet. And I'm pretty sure Anakin says that they might have been gone for even longer if they didn't bring them back from the Outer Rim sieges. So I think there's a suggestion that after Anaxis, they went to the Outer Rim and had more fights there before they came home. So I imagine Echo's probably been with them maybe two or three months would be my yeah. my estimate. Um, so obviously yeah. he he doesn't know them as well as they know each other. So he's still sort of fitting into the group um, and to the show as well, which is quite nice. But yeah, he's definitely getting more time and um, I just love Echo. He's he's just the the reminder of what the Clone Wars used to be. You know, like, he's, he's the character which just reminds you of how the clones used to interact to each other. The very sort of militaristic, but like loyal and friendly way of talking that um, sort of used to be the clones and he's sort of that reminder of it. Um, so yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, I suppose the next thing after that little joke is Echo like shuts down the base to stop the alarms or something, and then and then I feel like our predictions for oh no, oh no, have have come to fruition. Oh, I hated this Uh, moment so much. (laughs) Echo shuts down the base, like the power or something. There was a new power, so then Echo has to go. Not Echo, Wrecker has to go. So like box. Jump over and pull a lever to Yeah. Yeah. Um oh yeah, let's talk about this. As soon as I saw him making that jump, I was like, oh no, he's gonna hit his bloody head again, isn't he? And then lo and behold, he hits his head 
and he's on the floor struggling and then all he says is good soldiers he never follows through to saying uh, follows orders he just says good soldiers a couple times but that was enough for me to be terrified (laughs) yeah as soon as that happened he hit his head again I was like oh how many more times are they gonna is he gonna whack it and they're gonna like tease us with it but then like yeah hit his head on the floor and he's like oh good soldiers I was like, oh, no. Like, we've been predicting it like every time he's whacked his head in the last like uh, three or four times. And this is. I, yeah, I, I'm pretty uh, sure we started talking about it in the very. Like, after episode two. Because I think episode two was the first time he had a bit of a headache in mm. Cut and Run. Actually, no, it wasn't, was it? It was, it was episode three uh, when they crash landed on that moon. And we, yes. I feel like we had a sort of prediction there that we were like oh no and then every episode they've teased it more and more he's hit his head more and more and then I guess this isn't even the final straw is it I feel like this time he hit his head and then he managed to almost like fight back the programming um but I have a big question for you do you think the reason he didn't sort of go all order 66 was because a he fought back the programming because, you know, his enhancements and everything, he was strong enough to fight it back in that moment. Or B, because there wasn't any Jedi around? That's a good question, actually. Yeah, I feel like if he'd looked up and had been like, I don't know, like Ahsoka standing there, um, I felt like he probably, he, he might have, like, yeah, gone full, like, skits and, like, try to murk her. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought that it was more like, because it wasn't until, like, was it someone mentioned uh, Omega or like Omega uh, contacted him on the comms that he was like, no, actually, like um, I need to sort my shit out. <laughs> they like kind of awoken from his uh, his mental struggle. Um, yeah, yeah I, I think, think it was. She has something to do with it. I think it was Omega because I think Tech was constantly at him, um, saying, "Right, Rekka, we need to go." And I think if my memory serves me correctly. It was Omega said, "Right, Rekka, where are you?" Um, yeah. And then he he sort of just jumped into action and then had that epic moment where he dropped down from the sky and just <laughs> busted up all the police droids, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, I'm not really sure. I feel like, I feel like if he was in the situation that Crosshair was in and, you know, Kanan, um, Caleb, sorry, was in front of him. I, I don't know what might've happened. I don't know if he might've just, you know, gone through with, and I think the thing that worries me even more is no one saw it, so no one knows it happened. Yeah. So as far as they're concerned, Wreck is fine. So this could happen again. And I'm, I'm, I do imagine it is going to happen again. And the, the next time it happens, he's going to go further than just saying good soldiers. And he's, I don't know, I'm a bit, I'm very worried about Wrecker at the moment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's not, nothing's going to happen until they meet up with if they come across, this is an if, if they come across Ahsoka at some point, like, he'll see Ahsoka and then, like, it will just snap and he'll be like, he'll just try and kill her. That's my opinion on, like, how it's going to go. I reckon it will be, nothing will happen now until, or if, you know, we come across Ahsoka and then, like, he won't even, like, hit his head or anything. I think it will just, like, snap in him and he'll yeah. try and kill her. That's interesting. I'm, yeah, I'm think I'm worried about that as well because, Obviously, we know that, like, they're obviously going to find Rex soon. Is Rex with Ahsoka? I mean, there was the Ahsoka novel, and, like, at this point, she was kind of occupied doing other stuff, but that Ahsoka novel has already been slightly retconned once. I kind of wouldn't be surprised if they just decided to slightly retcon it again. Um, But, yeah, I'm not sure. It seems uh, it's either that or I feel like he might end up seeing Crosshair, and like crosshair might say like good soldiers follow orders and that might make something click inside his his uh his brain um so yeah i am worried about that i i, I do hope that wrecker's like the the scare which makes them think right we need to remove these chips from our head um i feel like wrecker's too much of a lovable character particularly for sort of the younger audience that i <laughs> I don't know if they would use him as like the one that just fully turns and they have to put him down or something like that. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, that was definitely a scary moment. That I feel like it's just gonna. I, I mean, I know we predicted it; and it was fairly obvious. 
I mean, it wasn't so obvious like the first time we mentioned it, but I feel like the, after that second or third time, it was becoming more and more apparent and it was just going to happen. So I, there's no way that we can avoid it now. I think in like, I think it's either going to be the next couple episodes or not until like the right at the end is, is how yeah. I think it's going to come out. I, I think they've done it really nicely. Like it's been a very well paced like plot point through the past couple of episodes. Like they've, mm. you know, for eagle eyed people, sort of spotted it we sort of saw it coming but then for people watching along and didn't see it coming they would have seen that and thought oh that's why he's been clutching his head all the time this is why they've been focusing on the headaches so i do think it's been like really nicely sort of like laid out for us um but yeah i don't imagine we've seen the last of wrecker and his head (laughs) problems (laughs) no definitely not um, I'm going to do an amazing segue. Speaking of heads, <laughs> the tactical, the tactical droids head. That was terrible, wasn't it? Um, they they're stuck in a bit of a muck uh, with droids attacking them all. So they decide to turn on the tactical droids head and use it to uh, to command loads of clankers to assist them. I've, this was the moment that I actually really found quite funny was when all the uh, B1s like woke up and then like one of them was like did we win <laughs> and then well like was one of them was like because they were shooting the obviously they were shooting other droids it was droids on droids so I think one one of them heard the order it was like sure I guess like, <laughs> the hesitancy of the fact that they had to kill other droids I just thought that the comedy of that moment worked really well and the fact the batch found it really weird that they were like had droids fighting for them um but yeah, I like that that they hacked the tech, got his little tech moment and hacked the the head. Um, yeah, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, because they were they were all pinned down by those place droids that came like flooding into the factory after the um <laughs> They were multiplying, after, weren't they? Yeah. <laughs> There's loads of them. So yeah, that was, that was a funny idea actually. Uh, yeah, I was I always liked how it did, you know, in the Clone Wars they changed the droids from how they were in Phantom Menace when they're like Roger, Roger and like just boring. And I was like in the Clone Wars that they always, um, they, they kind of had their own personalities to a degree. Yeah, you know, yeah. there's like one scene, I can't remember what season or what episode it is. But one of the droids is like, these are the old models. We are free thinkers. And it's like, well, that explains why they're all, well, they actually have a bit of, you know, something about them. They're a bit fun. They have some funny lines here and there. So, yeah, I think yeah. that was nice that they, they kept that going in the Bad Batch and but then, those lines were funny. But then the problem they have is they still can get overridden by programming. Like, if if, if the if the signal comes through that they, they do something, they just have to do it. Um, but as evident in this episode, when they sort of had to turn around and shoot on their own kind as they were thinking. But yeah, I like I like that that was always a feature of the Clone Wars. And I did, um, it was always good for comedy, but then it was always sort of interesting to see that um, sort of compared with the clones and how the clones see themselves as free thinkers as well. But like some of the, the droids did as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, clones and droids fighting together in this episode. It was, uh, it was fun to see. Doesn't that happen? In, it's an episode of Rebels as well. They use yeah, they use droids. Yeah, they um, um, there's that really. I really like the episode actually. It's when they got Rex with them, and then mm. they go to a a base. It's an old separatist base, and there's I think there's a tactical droid there as well, a super tactical droid there, and mm. because like the Clone Wars is so long over, they manage to sort of persuade the droid to like work with them, and then Rex sort of has a moment at the end where he's like. Oh, I guess like you guys weren't the problem. It was your the people telling you what to do, sort of thing. But yeah, mm. it was it was nice that the Bad Batch had that little that little moment of being like, ah, oh, the clankers. <laughs> but the, yeah. the, the the did we win line was my favourite in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, that that did crack me up actually. Um, what happened next in the episode? Then they, they escaped. They escaped, yeah. and Omega managed to whip out her bow and fire a good couple shots. She, yeah, uh, she's getting the hang of it. She took Echo's advice and, you know, didn't let herself get distracted, which is a nice little bit of progression for her. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing her use that bow a bit more efficiently as the uh, season goes on. And I'm still hoping for that Legolas sliding down the stairs scene. Um, <laughs> hoping to get coming. that. Yeah, it's coming. At some it's point. coming. <laughs> 
yeah. And then um, at the end, they're, they're all on good terms with each other. Omega says goodbye to Trace and Rafa, which is nice. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like the bit when Omega, when they said, you know, when Omega said where they were staying and they were like, is that place not a bit seedy? And Omega was like, yes, very, it's it's awesome. Because <laughs> <laughs> obviously all she's used is, is Camino. So it's the idea that a seedy bar is somehow like really exciting to her. <laughs> it's quite funny. Um, but yeah, obviously they head off. And then the little bit that we get at the end is that, as you were talking about earlier, Hunter gives the, the copied tactical droid data because obviously the tactical droid's head was fried, but Tech managed to copy the data and they gave it to Trace and Rafa because they are working for someone who is fighting the Empire and it will help people instead of just giving it to some black market dealer. So uh, Hunter has had a change of heart and do you think this might be a change of heart, which might make them not want to work for Sid that much longer? Yeah. What I'm assuming is going to happen, and this is obviously my assumption, is that they're going to obviously go back to Sid next episode, start next episode, I'm assuming. She's going to be really pissed off that they didn't get what they want, that they didn't get what she wanted. They're going to like be like, well, you know what? Screw you anyway. Leave. And then... I'm assuming that whoever the sisters are talking to is like maybe Rex, maybe like uh, Senator Organa, like the 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 dad, not Leia, obviously. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, Bail Organa. Bail, that's his name. Yeah, and then mate, and then they'll get in contact with them. And yeah, I I have a feeling that they might do one more mission for Sid. Um, mm. And the reason I think that is because I think that they haven't quite gotten all the way to learning the lesson yet. I feel like they're going to do a mission for Sid, which is going to turn out like halfway through is like too dodgy for them. And then Hunter's going to be like, yeah, yeah, we're done. We're done. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if next, next episode Sid's like, look, you messed up. I'm not happy. Make it up to me. Could you do this job? They get there. It's a bit too shady. They're not comfortable with it. And they're like, right, we're out. We're not doing this anymore. Um, And then I imagine by that point, whoever Trace and Rafa has contacted will probably show up on Ord Mantel and say, oh, hello there. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we'll talk about that, that nice little reveal at the end. Obviously, something that I, it took me two watches to clock because they've got R7, which is Ahsoka's droid. <laughs> yes, I sp- to be honest, I spot that st- like straight away. As soon as you said R7, I was like, that, I'm pretty sure Ahsoka's droid. And obviously when, I, when they put him in shot, I was like, oh no, that is, that's definitely Ahsoka's droid. Yeah, so, and he's been put back together again because he was destroyed uh, on the ship, wasn't he? Yeah, so I, I'm a... I mean... I think I they got it from Rex. That it was, it was I, got, I assume who they're talking to is, is Rex. Yeah, I imagine it's it's either... In my opinion, it's either Rex wearing a cloak or Bail Organa. Yeah, I feel like Rex is the one I want it to be but I can see it being Bail Organa just as like the start of the rebellion sort of thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I imagine that Trace and Rafa have sort of ended up working for the early start of the rebellion. How involved or they're working for Rex. Mm. We don't know yet. I don't know if Rex and Bail Organa are even working together. I'm not really sure. We'll, we'll see who it is. Um, but I think the fact that she said like, you'll be like sort of almost like you'll be interested because they're um, clones. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's Rex. I feel like yeah. they just, the reason that they, they didn't just show Rex's armor because we would have known instantly it was Rex. I think they put a cloak on him just to sort of cover up the fact he's, you know, it's Rex and obviously Rex wouldn't be running around in clone armor because that'd be pretty counterproductive if he's trying to hide out. So I can imagine him changing his wardrobe up a little bit. So yeah, I think it's Rex. And I think, I imagine the end of next episode, Rex will appear on Ord Mantel and say, all right, lads, how are we doing? It's been a while. Mm. Um, and then they'll just be at the end of their tether with Sid. And they're like, no, nah, we're not doing work for this dodgy lizard anymore. We're out of here. And then probably jump away with Rex. That would be my prediction. But um, we shall see what yeah, happens. Yeah, that sounds all right to be fair. But yeah, overall, I, I did enjoy the episode. I thought it was nice appearances from Trace and Rafa. I liked that they taught them a lesson. Like they taught the Bad Batch a lesson in the fact that 
like they have to pick a side and they can't just go around not having like not picking a side and the fact that hunter was sort of like it was easier being soldiers because we knew which side we were on basically um but then trace and rafa being two people who actually were unwilling to pick a side when ahsoka met them the fact that they learned that from them i thought was a really nice um it's definitely a little Filoni thing in there, wasn't it? A hundred percent. A nice little bit of Filoni writing, which I thought was, yeah. uh, was really good. Um, so yeah, we got ticked all the boxes, bit of a character development, bit of world building, um, bit of teasing up for next episodes. So all in all, I'm happy. I'm satisfied. Are you satisfied? I am. Yeah. All in all, good episode. Very much enjoyed it. Looking forward to next week. Perfect. So that pretty much rounds up our uh, Bad Batch discussion for the week. Um, and for the for the last sort of 20 minutes or so of the episodes, we shall uh, pick back up sort of roughly uh, where we left off last week and uh, have a little bit more of a chat about the, the High Republic and about Light of the Jedi. Um, we got to sort of chat about sort of the broad ideas and the broad um, sort of book in general last week but we didn't really get a huge opportunity to dive into some of the sort of more specific talking points so we both thought why don't we just pick up a little bit of that this week um to finish off our episode so um i think that one of the things that we did want to talk a little bit more about in the high republic and in the in light of the jedi and we didn't get a huge chance to talk about was the nile themselves the new villains of the uh, the high republic era and I'll just pass straight over to you, John. After reading Light of the Jedi, what are your immediate thoughts about the Nile? I I think they're very clever um, villains for the Jedi to have, I suppose. Because uh, especially, obviously, in the... What am I trying to say? The beginning of the book, before um, they kind of get taken over and reinvented towards the end... Um, I feel like they just, because obviously, as we spoke about last time, the Jedi in this era represent, you know, the peace, justice, et cetera, et cetera. They're not like the Jedi we've seen in like the prequels, sequels, uh, the original trilogy and stuff, who are more like warriors and stuff like that. Um, and I feel like the Nile, they just represent like, especially at the beginning of the book, just like pure chaos. They just fucking like do whatever they want. They go around, just like pillaging, destroying planets, cities, taking what they want. Um, doing loads of drugs. She's doing a, a, a ton of drugs. Um, I think, yeah, they're, they're pure chaos, which is just obviously like the, the polar opposite of what the Jedi are in this, um, or, you know, what the Jedi mostly represent in this era. Uh, so I think that's, that's a very clever way of doing it. Yeah, um, it's it's interesting because it's like the Jedi and the Republic sort of really represents freedom. Um, which is obviously the opposite of order, which is what sort of the empire stood for. Um, but the Nile sort of represent like a twisted, sick version of freedom. It's like freedom from consequence, freedom to do whatever you want and to hurt whoever you want and to steal from whoever you want. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's like weirdly similar, but massively different at the same time, what they represent and what they fight for. So, yeah, I agree. I think that is why they make such effective villains. Yeah, because, I mean, there's nothing more to, like, hurt the Jedi in this era than to just, like, go around and just, like, you know, kill, terrorise, you know, like, as many people as possible. Because, obviously, you know, we've had the Jedi and, like, the the Jedi we're used to are obviously very, like, loving and peaceful, etc., etc. But the, the Jedi in the High Republic era are, like especially you know like any loss of life no matter who it is you know even like the people who even the nile like there's some i think there's some paid there's on a couple sentences you know when like some of the jedi have to kill the nile like they, they don't feel they don't enjoy it like they still feel like the loss of life is a waste yeah they feel guilty for, for yeah. killing these savages <laughs> so having yeah them the villains of the book just be like all about you know just killing as many people as possible yeah and just as you say like freedom of just any consequences of just so they can do whatever they want to whoever they want is yeah i think there's no greater um what's what i'm trying to say there's no foil greater, like foil to the jedi yeah in this especially in this era 
Yeah, because it's because the Jedi are being like the idyllic Jedi of like what they're supposed to be and what they're really supposed to be, as you said, is obviously peacekeepers. They're not meant to want to fight, but they've essentially got a group of villains who make them have to fight. Uh-huh. But it's not in the same way of like a war, you know, like the like the you know the Clone Wars. Obviously, the Separatists made them have to fight because they had to join the war. But this is different because um, it's not a political thing. This is purely just like it's 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 a different way of looking at the dark side i guess it's like obviously the you know the sith and the dark side you know have all about as we said control and that sort of thing and very they're very structured they get involved with politics as we know with palpatine and all that sort of stuff but this is just purely chaos in the furthest reaches of the galaxy that the jedi almost just have a moral obligation to get involved um and it's it's not morally ambiguous whether they should or shouldn't. Like they just they just have to because if they don't, more people are, are are going to die in these these like you know the disasters and that sort of thing. I mean, Kassav in particular is responsible for like the death of like one point two billion people when he lets that moon die. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Marchion Row causes the great disaster to happen, and that kills you know obviously millions and millions into billions as well so you know these 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 guys aren't just um you know savage space vikings so sort of like 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 they look like basically but you know they they go run a much run much deeper um although <laughs> one thing that i heard someone talk about on a podcast and i can't cannot get out of my head is the fact that basically just a pyramid scheme <laughs> Like when you think about it, yeah. like when you start, you start off as a as a strike, and then if you do well, you get to be a cloud, so you have a few strikes of your own. And when you when you do really well as a cloud, you get to become a storm, and then you have your own clouds who have their own strikes. And then when you become a really good storm, you become a tempest runner, and then you have a whole tempest to yourself. And then there's three tempest runners, and uh, you know each of them are answerable to only themselves. You know they don't they don't have a higher boss who they need to pay their. <laughs> give money to it's just a big pyramid scheme <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly so they they think they have freedom but they're actually just stuck in a pyramid scheme yeah exactly and that's like the really twisted thing about it is they all think that they have this massive freedom but by the end of the book they realize they all just work for marky and Rowe. so <laughs> i guess charles soul just like really hates pyramid schemes and he's just exposed pyramid schemes to the whole world of what they really are which is just savagery really so don't join a pyramid scheme or you'll end up like the nile <laughs> oh that's actually yeah that's actually very funny um yeah is it the the paths they use is that what it's, i'm pretty sure that's what it's called with the um yeah the path so basically they obviously to cause the you know the disaster the great destruction of disaster or disaster i think it's called um mark and Roe uses the past which basically allows him to not use the hyperspace lanes that everyone else has to use, but like the little side roads in between, which then yeah. causes a collision in hyperspace, which then causes, you know, fragments of ships to like come sailing out of hyperspace at a lot, you know, light speed. Yeah. Uh, and it's leads to obviously deaths. meant to be impossible. You know, you're not meant to be able to collide in hyperspace because, you know, it, it would be like driving on a road in the exact same lane going at the exact same speed so you're never going to catch up with someone in front of you and someone behind you is never going to catch up with you and you're in the exact same lane so no one's going to come in from you that's what it's meant to be like Uh but you know this hyperspace collision would be like a road coming across your lane and a car driving across but that road isn't meant to exist that's Uh sort of how i how i picture it in my head um and charles so always described the paths as like hyperspace lanes are like main roads he called them highways because he's american but you know the main roads the a roads the motorways and then these are like tiny little side roads that you're not meant to know exist that like goes between the all of them um and the nile were the only ones who have access to this technology because they're the only ones who have access to mary santeca who is this really really old woman who should not should not still be alive who's you know being like it's really twisted the fact she's been kept alive 
purely to make these paths and you know she's sort of lost so much of her mind now she doesn't really know from time to time whether it's marchie and rose she's serving or whether it's his dad or whether it's the other santekas and she she thinks she's making paths to be sold to like help the galaxy but really she's doing it for this twisted leader um it's all very dark but yeah um it's it's this thing that they have access to that no one else in the galaxy does have access to, which makes them so incredibly dangerous. You know, you could you could just be escorting a hundred civilians across, you know, between two between a planet and a moon, and then suddenly they can just appear out of nowhere and destroy the ship like that, and you wouldn't even see them them coming because they don't appear on any normal hyperspace like trackers or anything. Yeah. Because it's a slight tangent, but I'll circle around. Because um, obviously, you have people talk about like uh, the scenes from like A New Hope, not A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back. Um, and they're like, well, why didn't the, the ships escape and just go the other way instead of like right into the uh, Empire to like get away? And it's like, well, it's because they had to get to the hyperspace lanes. You can't just like leave a planet and just like freely go to hyperspace in whichever direction you want, you know? It's, as you described, you know, you have to get to the highway. Like I can't just leave my house and like just cross road over to like through people's gardens and also whatever. You have to go a certain way to get onto that hyperspace highway. Um, but obviously this power of the path, they can like just appear, disappear wherever they, well, supposedly wherever they want, as long as they have um, a path from uh, that lady you were just talking about. So it's, yeah, so it's very dangerous and, they can appear, disappear, you know, kill, plunder, wherever they want, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the 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 science of hyperspace does get sort of from time to time edited in Star Wars a little bit, but it's essentially there's access points, as you were saying. And if they can just skip these access points, then no one knows whatever direction they're going to come from. Um, and then I think the other interesting thing, which I picked up on, on my re- in my reread, is their base their sort of secret base is is called it's called no space like the where they are and it's, it's supposed to be this like hidden place that they can only access because of their paths sort of out beyond a nebula and you know the fact that they basically can't even be found because they have this like secret door basically into part of space that no one else can even get access to um you know where the little pocket base is um so yeah, they, they have a lot of power and I think, you know, going into the High Republic when I had sort of just seen the teases about them and that they were sort of, you know, these vicious space Vikings, you know, pillage and savage and that sort of thing. I was like, okay, but you know, the Jedi can deal with that easily. But by the end of this book, I was like, right, these guys are serious because they have something that the Jedi actually just don't know how to deal with, which is their use of the paths. Yeah, especially because, you know, in this era of, uh, the galaxy. I think the Jedi are seen as, you know, as, as like all powerful. Like, there's not a lot they can't do. Um, it seems so. Yeah, having a, a a villain. I think I said this last week, but having a villain that's got a power beyond the ability of the Jedi is very interesting. Yeah, exactly. And I think we're only just going to see more and more as the sort of series goes on about sort of what their their full potential is and what specifically. Uh, Marky and Rose plan for you know for dealing with the the Jedi is because he's sort of this whole book really from the villain's perspective was about him restructuring the pyramid scheme <laughs> so that he had complete control um, mm-hmm. and dealing with his um, troublesome Tempest runners. So, I mean, sp- specifically Kasav because Kasav is is if my memory serves me correctly, he is deed isn't he? The, um, the folk from um oh, what's the planet iriadu Tarkin's planet they just came and killed him um but lorna d and the other guy pan eater they're still kicking but they're just fully working for marchi and Roe now so it's um it's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic changes because I, I really like lorna d i don't like her obviously she, she's pretty wicked she captions ca- captures my boy loden but She's a really interesting character. Like the fact that she names her, she named her ship after herself, and um, she's pretty badass. Like, 
you know, she uses this nerve gas, which the other Nile leaders don't have access to. Um, she's pretty dangerous in herself. I know Kevin Scott is writing a, an audio drama called Tempest Runner, all about Lorna D, um, which I'm quite interested to to uh, listen to when it comes out. Um, mm. So it's going to be interesting to see where these Tempest Runners who used to have all this power and um, sort of unchecked authority over their Tempest, what they're going to do now that they essentially have a boss that they didn't have before. Um so I imagine there's going to be a lot of infighting within the Nile as much as there's going to be out fighting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Obviously at the end of the book, uh, you know, obviously we find out about Rose, big plan and his hatred towards the Jedi. Um, I'm so I'm so curious about where it's going to go. Like, <laughs> what, what I mean, one, what that like uh, artifact he has is... And two, like, why did he want to capture a Jedi? Like, what is, what is he going to use him for? What's, I just feel like I've genuinely got no idea. I've got no... And why conceptual. did it have to be our boy Lone Greatstorm? Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. He had his pick. He had so many Jedi he could have taken and he had to take Loden. But I guess yeah, that's, a, that's the reason, Loden's isn't boy. it? Because, because uh, we love Loden, so Charles Soul had to break our hearts a little bit. Um but yeah, no, I'm really interested to see where it goes. And um, I think what was what I really like about the book and about the era as a whole is we've just been, like we've been introduced to so many new characters, like all the, the new Jedi who survived, uh, Light of the Jedi. Um, obviously, we've got sort of like the the non Jedi characters, like the Chancellor, like the the married couple, Joss and Picker who were involved in the, on the rescues. You've got like the Admiral. Um, you've got obviously in the, in the comic, you've got Keith Trennis as well. So you've got, and into the dark introduces some new characters. So you've got all these new characters and I'm just really interested to see like where all of them go because for once in Star Wars, we actually don't know what's going to happen to any of them with the exception of Yoda. Yoda's the only one that we know isn't going to die because we see him in the prequels, but every single one of these other characters, we don't know what's going to happen to them. They can die in the next book, in the in the the ninth book in the series. They could just go whenever because we have no idea. And I think that's what keeps me on the edge of my seat. Yeah, definitely. As yeah, as you said, Yoda is actually the only one who we know. You know where his story ends up and stuff. Um, I mean, te- assume- technically, Yarl Poof as well because he's in it and. Oppo Ramsissus, yeah. they're two council members from the Phantom Menace. Um, yeah, yeah. But apart from that, we have no idea. I mean, I know that um, there's some theories surrounding, there's a some, something called the Lost 20, which was introduced in, I can't remember when it was introduced, but it's talked about quite a lot in uh, Duke of Jedi Lost. And these are like 20 Jedi who sort of, were lost they like left it they left the order and they they vanished essentially they're called the lost 20 and um there's some speculation that a couple of the characters could be become one of the some of the lost 20 um i wouldn't jump into too many spoilers um but yeah there's definitely some interesting stuff going on and what what's gonna happen to these characters we just we just have no idea uh, yeah, i don't know i feel like this i feel like this era of star wars though has got me hooked one as you say because of like the uncertainty of it because i mean as much as i'm not enjoying like the bad batch or like you know i enjoy like the clone wars tv show and stuff you know where it's going roughly because obviously the future of star wars has been laid out for us watching these programs um and i suppose obviously you know we know what's happening in like 200 years time but there's so much that's going to happen between like the light of the jedi book and like the Phantom Menace that there's so much story that we're going to get from this you know from the books from the comics from um, any other multimedia that they decide to put out uh, I'm just yeah I'm really looking forward to what's going to happen yeah yeah same I've um, I mean hooked is definitely the word for me I've I've read all three of the books and um, up to date with both the comic series and I've even been buying Star Wars Insider just so I can read the short stories that come out in there. Um, they're not massively consequential. They're, they're just sort of little short stories. Mm-hmm. They're like two-parters, one in each issue. There's been two two-part stories so far. 
and then normally just set on Starlight Beacon with like which Starlight Beacon is another thing which I think is massively cool and obviously we we know that there's no Starlight Beacon in the in the prequel era so what's what on earth's going to happen to Starlight Beacon as well mm. um but yeah um they're like these Charles Saul did a two-part short story um about Joss and Picker um the the couple and like their role on Starlight Beacon which is really cool and then Kevin Scott did the other one which was about the hospital on Starlight Beacon dealing with all the patients from um, the Great Disaster, which had a little sort of interesting mystery tied into it. So they are quite good. Um, I might just take a picture of them and send them to you, John, but don't tell anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Um, But yeah, yeah, like everything that's coming out of this uh, this era for me personally, I'm just really, um, really, really obsessed with. Yeah. I'm, I just love the new characters that we've been introduced to. Like, got so many like different species of Jedi that we just haven't really seen before. Like, apart from maybe in like the Battle of Geonosis, where there's just like a yeah. shit ton of Jedi. That we alien Jedi are so cool. I love Alien Jedi. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've got um, Wookies, Trandoshans, which is obviously a massive thing because obviously the the Trandoshan culture, like from birth, is always like about hunting and killing. You know, yeah, everyone yeah, knows not what about being a Jedi. Like. Yeah. And yeah, so having a Trandoshan Jedi, I think, is, is so cool. And I can't wait to see where they go with that. Yeah, you've got the Wookiee Jedi, which was, which is, oh, see, I can't remember his name. It begins with a bit. Buri- yeah, Buriaga. I'm excited Buriaga. to see more from him because he was obviously, he's sort of, he's quite good with emotional connection, but then he can't talk to people, which I thought was like a really interesting sort of dynamic for him. Um, but when yeah. he sort of managed to figure out, the people that were in the ship and then the boy who had seen the Nile ship on the, on the legacy run and all that sort of stuff. Buriaga's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cause obviously we saw the only other Wookiee Jedi off the top of my head is from the Clone Wars and the arc with the younglings. So they yeah. go off and build their lightsabers. Is his name like Genji or uh, Genji. Go- Genji. That's it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's cool. And I think just the concept of having a, a Wookiee as a Jedi again is awesome. so yeah. cool. Cause obviously we've got Chewbacca as like a fan favorite, but then having, Orky Jedi, I think, is unreal. Yeah, and obviously Lo- Loden's a Twi'lek, and um, yeah, I'm holding were... out for um, holding out for a Geonosian Jedi. That would be <laughs> that if that ever happens, I'd be like, oh my god, mind blown. That would actually be, be so be cool. Unreal. Imagine a Kaminoan <laughs> Jedi as well. <laughs> yeah, is it not already a Kaminoan Jedi? No, no. Um, Yarl Puth looks a bit like a Kaminoan, but they're actually a different uh, species, oh, apparently. I've been played, I've been um, played there. Unless I've just completely said something wrong, but I'm pretty sure he's not. Um, and then, what's the... the um, Ethorian. The... Um, I can't remember if it's... The Jedi is called Mikkel Sutmani. He's, mm-hmm. he's plays quite a big part. His... Um, is it is it his master or just his sort of like partner? No, it's his partner who dies because um, Lorna D blows her up when she's trying to retrieve the flight recorder. Oh um, yeah, yeah. And he's an Athorian, which are the, the 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 aliens with sort of like the long head, which sort of like comes out and bends upwards, and they can't like speak. They need like sort of like speaking apparatus on them. Um, oh, they look like hammerhead sharks. Yeah, they look like hammerhead sharks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was quite cool as well because obviously the only one that we've seen before was the one that was in like the Cartoon Network Clone Wars. But obviously that's not canon now, so it's cool. Yeah, I just love that we're just getting such vibrant like alien characters, and um, I think that they're doing a really good job of having like a really wide range of male characters, female characters, alien characters. Um, it's just a nice sort of breath of fresh air, to be honest. Yeah, I mean even the um. Oh, what are the ones that are introduced in um, the the comic series? Uh, the twins, Terek and Terek and Serret. Yeah, yeah, they're a cool concept because they're non-binary. Yeah, yeah, they're they're non-binary because they are essentially like the same person. Um, yeah, but like separate, like they're twins, but like deeper than that because of the alien species they are. They have this like crazy connection between the two of them. Yeah, they're, they're cool. I, I like I like that. I mean, I've only read up to issue two of the Horror Puppet yeah. series. Yeah, they're so really cool. Much of them, but yeah, they're cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I just, I'm really looking forward. There's um, a character getting introduced in the next book and then there's going to be a graphic novel and called Ty Yorick is the name of the character. And she's like a a Jedi who's left the Jedi order to become a sellsword and a monster hunter. And I just think that is the the coolest idea I've ever heard. So she runs around with like a purple lightsaber in one hand and a blaster in the other. Um, And that gets me really excited because that's just, again, something we haven't seen before. So I'm looking forward to getting all these sort of weird types of characters and falling in love with all of them because you really can. It's quite amazing, actually. Like with a well-written book, you can really, just with words on a paper, you can perfectly visualise exactly what that Jedi is going to look like and exactly why you like them, even though you've never actually seen them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just looking forward to the new characters to explore and different aspects of like Jedi that we haven't seen before yeah well I guess that leads on to our book club for next month um so we are gonna stay with the High Republic because we're having a lot of fun with it we're gonna our book club for the next month is going to be Into the Dark by Claudia Gray which is the uh the young adult novel that was released as part of wave one of the High Republic books I say young adult it doesn't feel in terms of like subject matter it doesn't feel like a YA novel. It's purely YA because the main characters are all young adults. But Claudia Gray did say in an interview that that if you just think about it, the original Star Wars trilogy is YA because all the characters are young adults and that that's all that being YA means. It doesn't mean that it has to have like some cheesy storyline, um, which is sort of a, a bit of a thing that like turns people off of reading like YA novels. Um but yeah, Into the Dark is, I've already read it. I'm, I'm probably going to reread it again because I want to get my brain refreshed. But it is a brilliant, brilliant follow-up to Light of the Jedi. It's sort of not like a sequel, but it it takes some of the ideas of it and expands it off in a different direction, introduces a new villain um, to the series, it introduces four new Jedi characters, um, all of them very unique very interesting and then it introduces some great human characters as well and if the light of the jedi is like a huge world building expansive epic story into the dark is a more sort of contained on ensemble character driven book but i enjoyed it not quite as much as like the jedi but i really really liked it as well so um that's going to be the book club for the next month john are you excited to dive into more i am i'm am. gonna have to order it on on Amazon, although I might see if my local comic shop has it because support local business. But if not, I will be giving money to a uh, big Bezos and buy it. <laughs> yeah. um, Be- Bezos will be getting your money. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm looking forward to reading it and uh, yeah, just find out more about the High Republic. Yeah, and um, and then to be honest, I mean, not intentionally, but it probably ends up. It's probably going to end up being that by the time we get around to picking a new book club, the Rising Storm, the sequel to Light of the Jedi, is going to be out. So <laughs> we might end up just <laughs> keeping this theme going for a while, really. Um, yeah, I'm all for it. But yeah, no, it's really really good stuff. I'm I'm actually really excited that we're getting like a, a whole new era of Star Wars. And it's really, really good. And to all the people out there who have not read a single page of The High Republic and is calling it trash, stop being an idiot, pick up the book, read it. If you still don't like it afterwards, you can call it trash, but you won't because people who have actually read the books love them because they're great books. So that's my little rant over. <laughs> yeah, especially Charles Soule. I mean, oh, he's so, he he's touches, so good. It's just gold. I mean, he's he's so got The High Republic, his Vader series is unbelievable. Yeah, um, yeah, man's he's, very talented. He, oh, he is. He's a genius. And hopefully next week, because John's going to go and pick his issue up, uh, we might talk a little bit about War of the Bounty Hunters, which has uh, just started this uh, this month. And again, more Charles Soul. The first issue has had a lot of people talking. John hasn't had a chance to read it yet, so we can't quite dive into it. But maybe next week we'll get a chance because more just of Charles Soul being a genius. Mm. Yes, please. More Charles <laughs> Right. So we will uh, we'll wrap up the episode there. That's been a good, good fun episode and good fun discussion. It has. I've enjoyed it. Um, so we'll be back next week to talk about the next episode of The Bad Batch. Uh, and I imagine we'll, if we're not, we might talk a little bit about 
some of the comics. I think we we could have a we could have an interesting comic discussion next week, couldn't we, John? We could talk a bit about War of the Bounty Hunters and maybe a bit about the High Republic comic. Mm, uh, yeah, so you're a couple issues into that, so some stuff to talk about. Yeah, no, I'll be well up for that. Cool. Right. Well, uh, don't f- don't forget to uh, follow us on our social medias. Uh, we're on Instagram at Live from Vader's Castle, and we're on Twitter at Vader's Castle Pod. So give us a follow. Uh, we'll reply to messages if you want to send us in any thoughts, feelings. We will uh, see you next week. Yeah, see you next week. Thank you for listening. Cheers for listening. Bye. <laughs>